Hi, I'm Mara Webster with InCreative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Sam Haskell, who is the executive producer and showrunner of The Waltons Homecoming. And I was really interested in, in the journey of, of getting the rights to tell this story, because this is this was something that was a process of several years in talking to the family and working with a lot of the lawyers that work with the estate from the original series. And I was just really interested in what a lot of the conversations and a lot of the kind of back and forth dialogue was, the types of questions that they had for for you in terms of wanting to know how you were going to tell this story and kind of like ultimately what you feel was the tipping point of them really understanding that you were coming to this from such a place of love and care and really wanting to pay homage to the original as such a fan of the original series. Well, absolutely, Mara. And first of all, thank you for having me to discuss this. And what you just described is exactly what I went through for two years leading up to the actual production of The Walton's Homecoming. And the thing about it is, is that when I was a little boy, when we would hear da 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 da, we'd all rush to the living room to sit down and watch the Waltons together as a family. And as I grew up, I found that television was not as inclusive for families as it had been when I was a little guy. And so I always thought when I grow up, I'd love to to bring programs like the Waltons back to television. Well, I got distracted and I was an agent for almost 30 years. And, and, and then I signed this deal at Warner Brothers Television 11 years ago. And they told me to just build a sandbox and invite my friends into play. And uh, the first person I invited into play was Dolly Parton. And we, we produced multiple movies together in great success and even won the Emmy for best movie this year for our Netflix musical Christmas on the Square. And at the same time, Warner Brothers Television had called and said, we've got this franchise that has been dormant for 40 something years, the Waltons. I went, yes, <laughs> don't talk to anyone else. I want the Waltons. Well, they said, we thought you would be the right person for it. And there began my journey of, as you suggested earlier in your questioning, talking to attorneys, talking to the family, making sure they knew what I was proposing was what they would find to be in line with how they envisioned, you know, a reboot of the Waltons. And I, I don't think they'd really considered it because several people have tried and, and failed. And I wanted to make the new Waltons still a depression era drama, but I wanted to create a world that would be reflective of the world we're living in now. In other words, being inclusive with, uh, you know, ethnic casting and um, trying to tell a story that would allow Olivia Walton's best friend to be African-American and have no one blink about that. To have, you know, stars like Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr., members of a congregation at a black church that the Waltons go to on Christmas Eve for the first time ever, and they're singing Silent Night. They just happened to be members of that community and people responded and my instincts were right. If we can maintain the integrity of the original show and make it seem more relevant to today, we'll get an audience. And Mark Pedowitz at the CW has been my friend for 40 years. And between Mark and all my friends and partners at Warner Brothers Television from Channing Dungy and Brett Paul down to Clancy Collins and Lee Redman and Michael Zeke and of course Christy here, 
they all embraced what I wanted to do. And I think Mark Pedowitz was one of the few who was not frightened by the faith aspect of this and the fact that we're talking about God and, and believing in God. And, you know, what better way to put that out there than at Christmas time? So after explaining all this to the attorneys and the families and, and, and getting everyone on board and just putting my heart out on the line, just, just to say, look, I, I want to protect this as much as you do. I'm not going to put my name on anything that does not build it up even higher than it was. And so they put their faith in me and some couple of million viewers later, which is unheard of at the CW, we were a success. And we've just completed production on the Walton's Thanksgiving, which will be out this November with our cast. And it is the most amazing cast. I, I knew from the very beginning when I started talking about the rights that I wanted Bellamy Young to be Olivia Walton. And she's been a friend of mine for many years. And she had worked with us on a couple of our Dolly movies. And I just love her. But she never gets to play a part where she can show the heart and soul that depicts who she really is. And this role of Olivia Walton is that and more. In fact, Michael Learned, who was the original Olivia Walton on the CBS series for 11 years, won the Emmy several times, tweeted after she saw the show and said, I am no longer Olivia Walton. It belongs to Bellamy Young now. And that to me was the greatest compliment of all. And many of the um, original cast came to our premiere last November and they were crying and cheering and they just, they just thought it couldn't be done. But the key to this whole thing, Mara, is that I convinced Richard Thomas to come in to introduce these movies and to be the voice of the adult John Boyd looking back. In the original series, it was Earl Hamner Jr. who created the thing based on his family. And uh, Richard even confessed to me that when he first signed on to be John Boy, he was very saddened that he couldn't be the John Boy voiceover. But that had to be someone older, and that was Earl Hamner. So he says, so now I've lived full circle. I'm getting to do the voiceover on the reboot as the senior John Boy looking back. And here's another Godwink. Dolly Parton taught me about Godwinks. Richard Thomas's grandson is one of the best friends of Logan Schroyer, who is our John Boy. So our Logan Schroyer at age 22 already knew all about the Waltons because his best friend's granddad was the original John Boy. Now, how about that for a God wink? So, and, and Logan is the only one I ever wanted for John Boy. My wife and I are big fans of This Is Us, and we had seen him on there as the 20-something the Kevin. There's John Boy. And so we made that offer and made that deal for him. And, and he's just remarkable in the role. So I know this is a long-winded answer to your question, but um, I hope it satisfies with the answer and I'm ready for the next one. It does. And I, I love that, that amount of detail in terms of everything that went into it. And with what you were saying before about wanting to tell the story in a way that was very true to the original, but also with a lens in the present. I was interested in your collaboration with Lev um, Spiro, who's the director on it. He, you'd worked together on Dolly Parton's Heartstrings before, you know, so you 
from, from a longstanding relationship with him. And how did the two of you and the rest of the team figure out visually, how do we want to tell this story again, in a way that pays homage to the original has details that will feel very reminiscent, familiar, nostalgic to the audience. And yet also will have aspects of, of kind of the current lens because you're not, you know, putting a color treatment on the cameras and trying to make it look like it's set in that time period. It's, it's modern cameras, but period setting, which is interesting. Well, when we first started discussing it, Lev and I sat down with our whole team, you know, Billy Levin, Bobby Kelly, Hudson Hickman, Jim Strain, our writer who did an incredible job with the adaptation. And we decided that we didn't want to have it look like that old depression feeling. We didn't want to feel like we were watching the Grapes of Wrath. We wanted to watch something that was full of color and we wanted to watch something that would hold our attention and would hold the attention of the younger viewers that we were hoping to gain for the Waltons through the viewership on the CW. So once we had a script that we knew was going to work with the characters we needed, and we had so many characters that we had to service because we're trying to, to build a, a family of characters so that hopefully these movies can continue and possibly a series in the future because everybody wants to do a series. I decided that the Waltons went through the depression. The Waltons were not poverty stricken. You know, we got a little bit of criticism, I must say, that the Waltons looked too dressed up. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the Waltons had a nice middle-class income and lived a nice middle-class life until the depression hit. And then no one had any money. Now that doesn't mean they lose all their possessions just because they have no money. They just can't buy any new things. So Yes, their clothes were probably a little nicer than the clothes worn by the kids in the in the original Waltons. And, and the house is about the same size as the one that was used in the original Waltons. But because we're shooting it more vibrantly, it, it appeared to be a little bit more modern. But I think that keeps the younger audience who is not interested in old movies and old television shows from turning us off. They're saying, look, those kids from 1933 look just like us. And so they did. And our cast is beautiful. All of our young people from Marcel LeBlanc to Christian Finlayson to the rest of the family are all beautiful kids and great little actors and had the emotion and, and the depth that the original characters had. But we just gave them a more modern look. And um, I think that's what helped us with our viewing audience. And so that's the, the vision that we had from me to the director, to the other producers and the writer in terms of how we wanted to present the new Waltons. I love that. And you know, you're talking there as well about the ensemble of characters and how many characters there are within the family, you know, before you even go to the periphery characters that interact and come into their world as well. What were some of the challenges that came with determining what's the story that we want to tell? How do we want to tell this story in a way that's really going to service and give space to each of the family members, the different dynamics of the relationships they all have with each other within the family? Because you're, you're again, kind of like doing this in a way where there's people who are coming into watching this who are familiar with the original. They're familiar with a lot of the characters in the family dynamic already, but you also have a whole wealth of new audiences that are discovering this for the first time. And so you have to really give them an introduction as well. That is a terrific question. And I appreciate it because it allows me to explain exactly what you want to know. And that is this, we did an adaptation of the original Walton's homecoming which was based on a book written by Earl Hamner about his family at Christmas time. 
we knew that there were certain elements of that book that had to be modified and had to be reflective of a, of a different time without losing the time we're in. So we looked very carefully at how we could maintain the key elements of the original and then create other elements around them that would propel it into a more relevant feel. And it's that relevancy that, that we were constantly challenging ourselves to, to not only reiterate, but to show a new audience. Because we didn't want to push people away. We wanted to bring people in. And when the first airing of The Walton's Homecoming did a million point two viewers, which was more than any other show on the CW that year, and then a rerun two weeks later brought another 500,000. And then our DVD sales, which were made available the day after it aired, I mean, People came to see it and they stayed. And I believe, and I'm going to make a little prediction here. <laughs> I believe that the Walton's Thanksgiving is going to be even bigger because now they know these new characters and they love these new characters and they love them all. And they feel like they can relate to them. Now I'll tell you one little story that um, is going to be taken care of in a Walton's Thanksgiving. When we were looking at the homecoming from the homecoming to the show that was actually produced on television of the Waltons. There were originally nine children and they took it down to eight and I took it down to six and the character that was missing was Ben. And one of the criticisms that we received on the airing of the first one was where's Ben? Well, that answer is coming and a Walton's Thanksgiving. So Ben, Ben will be a part of the family by the end of the movie, but I'm not going to tell you how we're doing it because it's a very organic, wonderful, tear-jerking, you're going to need a whole box of Kleenex on that one, Mara, a tear-jerking answer to where's Ben. And um, from the Thanksgiving movie on, Ben will be back as part of the family and there will now be seven, seven children again. But um, it's really interesting because the grandparents had nine sons. And when Earl Hamner wanted to turn it into a series, he thought, well, I can't just make it all about boys. There's got to be some girls in there too. And that's when they, they started making changes. So in every iteration, there have been changes, but I'm taking it back. I heard the pleas of the masses and I'm, I'm bringing Ben back, but I'm not going to tell you how. I have the tissues. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have to watch. <laughs> I can't wait. You know, and, and you were talking before earlier as well about the casting of the show and, and some of the different actors that come into this. And this this homecoming has such a very specific kind of voice and tone. It's so important for that heart and warmth and optimism and, and elements of family at its core to really shine through. Did you find that all of the actors kind of came with just a very natural understanding of what the tone of the show, what the voice of, of it was going to be, or were there conversations just to get everybody on the same page to make sure that all the, their performances were coming from the same space? Absolutely, Maura. And I had them all watch the original Homecoming, which was done 50 years ago. This was the 50th anniversary remake of The Walton's Homecoming so that they understood. And if they had time, I encouraged them to watch episodes of the Walton series because the kids did not change from the movie to the series. The parents did, but the kids did not. And to a person, they got it. And what's really, really interesting, and what I think is very important for the purposes of this call, is that 
the Walton's homecoming is not just about telling a great story. It's about telling a great story with an incredible cast that became its own family. And never was it so obvious as the end of the Walton's homecoming when everyone is crying and not wanting to say goodbye. And then the jubilant, you know, reunion when we did Walton's Thanksgiving, when they all came back, they have created a completely second family for themselves. And it shows in the relationships that we're building through the stories that we're telling. It's amazing. And it, and it was, <laughs> it was a joyous, joyous experience. And I'm so proud of Homecoming because not only did we do this beautiful adaptation, but we changed it in ways that are true to who these characters are and that make it relatable to a 2021, 2022 audience. I also wanted to talk about some of the challenges that came with filming this as well, because it's it's a holiday movie that you filmed in June in Atlanta, um, you know, and had to make look like this wonderful winter landscape. And, you know, even just the elements of the, the location that you used on kind of like the side of a hill for the family cemetery turned out to be a space where cows are grazing in the area and come by and are used to coming to that spot every single day. And so I was interested in what some of the, the challenges were because, you know, any, any production, there's so many things that you can plan for, but there's always those unexpected elements that come up as well. Well, Mark Petowitz at the CW said, Sammy, I just want one thing. I said, what's that? He said, snow. I want it to look like real snow. And I said, well, that's a wonderful challenge in 106 degree temperatures in Atlanta, Georgia in June. But I made it my mission and the mission of everyone on our team to give them snow. And I'm so proud of the special effects and visual effects and the team that we had helping us to create that look because I defy anyone who watches a Walton's Homecoming to not think we didn't shoot that in Canada somewhere. And you would never know that, you know, no. so many elements of craftsmanship that are that are done so well in the telling of this story. And, and to that point as well, um, I wanted to ask a little bit about some of the awards that Homecoming has already received and just what that experience has been like to have that sort of response to it. Oh, thank you, Maura, for asking that. Um, the Christopher Award is one of the top awards from the faith-based community. And it's given to projects that shed light into darkness that bring joy and hope where there is none. And for us to have received the Christopher Award for Walton's Homecoming was such a great honor for me. But then we got two other awards and that was for best movie. From the Movie Guide Awards, we received the Epiphany Prize for the best television project of the year, not just movies, but we were up against series and Bell Me Young was awarded the most inspirational performance of the year competing against men and women. And um, I, I'm just so proud of that and proud that we got that kind of recognition so early in the process. And um, I must say, I think they're very wise to have given it to us because we deserve it. It's, we did do that. We did shine light where there is darkness and we did give people inspiration and we did create a world that you could escape to with families. And that's what I dreamed of doing when I was a little boy running into the living room thinking one day, maybe I could do something like this never dreaming it would be a remake of that. 
Amazing. Well, I, I love hearing all these details of everything that went into making it. Really look forward to the next installment. And I'm so glad that it was the success it was so that we get more of it. Thank you so much, Sam. You're so welcome, Mara. Thank you.